And welcome to another edition of Match of the Week, the series within the Let Me Tell You Something oeuvre, in which myself and Let Me Tell You Something co-host Lorcan Mullen and your other Let Me Tell You Something co-host Simon Cross take it in turns to choose and host these episodes where we pick a match from the wide world and history of pro wrestling because we think it'll be a fun one to discuss. This one is my pick and it's one I've wanted to do for a while and is it a wrestling match or is it a company picnic gone very, very well? <laughs> Because that's what it looks like. Simon, what are we talking about? Where are we? And when are we? What we're watching is a site to behold, and it's a site put on for us by a legendary figure, Atsushi Anita, teaming with Tarzan Goto against uh, Dragon Master and Masanobu Kurisu. And it is a Texas death match. Yeah, Texas death... Well, Tornado Texas death match, because it's a tag. <laughs> Well, yeah, but they actually do do tags in this match. Tornado is technically everyone's legal at the same time. See, see rules aren't really, like, in this match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for it. I'll take your word for it, Lorcan, because this is just unabridged chaos. Well, I will say, this is a match that grows in stature to me every time I watch it, and I think I've watched it four or five times now. It's like how I said, like, now my comfort eating for wrestling is to just put on one of those All Japan six-man tags between the Super Generations Army and Jumbo's Army. Mm. That's like the wrestling equivalent of having the Beatles get back on in the background whilst you're ironing. This isn't that, but it's like a little snack of something to dine on because it's 10 minutes, 58 seconds in total, this whole match. Yeah. But it crams so much in. <laughs> and when we talk about all of these anarchy in the arena matches and wild brawls, this shows you what a wild brawl really should look like in wrestling. Mm. Because I just think I've never seen a single ECW match or even, really, the AEW matches that have presented a fight in a way that feels almost palpable and dangerous. This is anarchy. Yes. This is the, pushing things to a new level. So, I love a foreign McDonald's. And <laughs> I've been to Berlin, and one of the things that uh, Germany's McDonald's has going for it is they all let you fully customise your McFlurry. And I'll be honest, I was tired. I'd, I'd had a few day beers. I added so much stuff that didn't need to be there. There was Smarties, there was sour apple sauce, there was all sorts going on. And it just tasted like a sweet, enjoyable, but not enjoyable, just chaos just contained in a little paper cup. And this is just pure unabridged chaos, like I say, contained in a small, in terms of time, match. And this makes me think about my Berlin McFlurry. <laughs> Did you get where I'm coming from insofar as... After you've watched this match, your anarchy in the arenas just kind of slightly pale in comparison. They do about the same level of action and brutality in half the time. Mm. And there's just none of that baiting, overly dramatic selling. These guys are fighting and they're not holding back for a second. Everything is full force. Everything is believable. Like I said, it does kind of look like four blokes that are actually friends at a barbecue. Yeah. And just one too many beers have been consumed. And a lot of held up frustration <laughs> needs to be let out. The Green Power Ranger was the best. F*** 
It's the red one. But did you actually enjoy it? Yeah, I did. Because I honestly am thinking now, because you know I'm doing it this for my 40th. When I do my top 40 favourite matches of all time, I think this might be in the list. Yeah. As will the closest thing to an American equivalent to this match and a previous match of the week episode, again, a pick of mine, and again, one which you were like Calculon looking at Bender dancing in front of him saying, I'm not quite familiar with what it is I'm seeing here. <laughs> which is the Samoa Joe Necro Butcher match yeah. for IWA Mid-South. Samoa Joe versus Necro Butcher feels a lot like a bouncer going a bit too aggressive on like a patron that's had a too, few too many. This... Feels very much like a drunken barbecue gone wrong, basically. I'm half expecting to see a plastic chair thrown and uh, someone in a working-class British accent go, leave it, Darren, he's not worth it. More than one plastic chair gets thrown, arguably, in this match. I'm not sure whether they're plastic or not. No. One of the things that always drives me crazy in wrestling when they do weapons shots, I always cite Triple H with the sledgehammer. When a wrestler uses a weapon, I want it to be a weapon where they can go full force, visibly. Mm. You can still work it so they don't hit the guy. So, so for example, the way that Edge and Christian used to do the concerto was in a way that it didn't hurt the opponent as long as they did it right, although their ears would probably pop. Yeah. But they can swing it full force. Whenever someone can swing a chair, they can believably swing it full force. Although this match shows, I mean, they're swinging it full force and then they're swinging it full force. Yeah, there's levels to it. <laughs> Whereas whenever Triple H goes and hits someone with a sledgehammer, he's not hitting it as hard as he can. Mm. And similarly, when someone hits someone with a barbed wire baseball bat or whatever, whenever someone brings in a baseball bat, usually it's kind of like, well, that's obviously a gimmick bat because he'd actually hit him with the force of a real wooden baseball bat. That person is now dead. Well, they use aluminium ones primarily now, don't they? For that reason. Yeah, or they make a point of like hitting them in the gut and then the knee or over the back. Oh, the chair shots you can see. And look, there's a reason they ban chair shots to the head. I am not disparaging that for one second. But in a lot of promotions, you can see the one-two combo coming a mile off. Chair to the gut chair to the back (laughs) this one is just what is available to me to hit and i'm gonna hit that with a chair yeah so sometimes they aren't hitting them on the head with the chair they are hitting them in the back but they're hitting them with the back so ferociously and so frequently that's the thing they're not doing the wrestling build up smack the other person pulls their back back and goes ah he's just like i'm hitting you i'm hitting you i'm hitting you i'm hitting you i want you to vomit your spine (laughs) and until your partner comes along to save you which is what happens like really early on with when Onita and the Dragon Master are fighting. And it does look like there's legitimate beef because Goto and Kurosu do come in and they're like, oh, all right, lads, I'll take him. You take him. Oh, come on now. <laughs> Let's keep these two away from each other. But it's like there's so much danger because also whenever they do the brawling in the crowd, it's not brawling in the crowd. It's brawling in the pathways, the aisleways between different sections of the crowd and up the stairs. Whereas Onita and Dragon Master are like, I'm throwing you into these rows of people. They can get out of the way if they like, but they're getting a foot in the face if they don't get out of the way. That's their prerogative, not mine. (laughs) They're getting an Onita in their lap if they don't move. And another thing that's, again, for safety reasons, it's understandable why it's there. But when there's brawling in the crowd, you obviously do see the security going, oh, stay back, stay back. There's none of that here. Another thing, there's no searching around under the ring for specifically laid out weapons. It's the chairs that are from the crowd that they're grabbing. And then when they don't have a chair in the ring, one of them will literally take off an opponent's cowboy boot and smack them in the head, either with their (laughs) own boot or with their opponent's boots. It's got a chaotic nature to it. 
that I just love because it's it's raw, like it's not mm. choreographed, it's not rehearsed, and I can understand because obviously of your feelings towards Samoa Joe and Nakra it, it, it makes sense why you've chosen this because there's a gritty authenticity to it. Even in things like the referees count when he because it's Texas Death Rules, which were basically. A combo. So a Texas Death Rules match is kind of a combo of a street fight slash falls count anywhere match, depending on how you do it. Slash last man standing. With a last man standing match as well. WWE essentially never really did the Texas Death match. They kind of split it between. They, they created two gimmicks from it. The closest they came to that was the first that I can recall falls count anywhere match, at least on pay-per-view, which was WrestleMania 10 between Randy Savage and Crush where they took the Texas death element of it, which again was where Falls Count Anywhere came from. And they had it that after you got pinned, it wasn't that you had to answer a 10 count, is that you had to get back into the ring within 60 seconds. So Randy Savage's way of solving that was by taking Crush like, into the bowels of Madison Square Garden, mm. pinning him, and then hanging him by the ankles <laughs> by court, so he won't even have the time to get back to the ring. And Randy Savage like sprints back in and then just beats up Mr. Fuji for a while to keep himself <laughs> into the occupied. Ah, I gotta stay warm. <laughs> Gotta keep that heart rate up. <laughs> yeah, that was the only time the WWE did that. And afterwards, as we say, they, they just turned into false count anywhere and it was just pinfall finish. And that's what hardcore matches became. Yeah. And then they incorporated the 10 count with the last man standing match, which my memory of the first one of those was Mankind against The Rock at St. Valentine's Day Massacre mm. in 1999. The last last man standing match they did sort of had an awkward moment in it because that was Owens versus uh, Reigns with the awkward handcuff spot. So we've not seen one in a while, possibly for that reason. Yeah, and it's also, I think they got a bit too cutesy with it in the WWE. I don't know if it was the first one that did it, but obviously that one, the John Cena-Batista match, where I guess he kind of did the Randy Savage thing, which was just he just duct-taped him to the corner. Whereas the point is supposed to be, as is the point of this match, they incapacitate their opponent to a point that they can't get up. Yeah. And that's the thing, again, when you watch this, is like, they do not care a jot for each other's safety. But what's also funny is that this is not the kind of matches that FMW are famous for. The FMW matches you want us to talk about are your barbed wire piranha tank swimming pool death matches. And with those, there's again, there's always that slight measurement of safety to it. Mm. They gimmick the explosion, so they look great, but they don't actually affect the guys that much. The way that they go into the barbed wire, they stay, they big it up, the, the drama of it all. And again, that was one of the things watching this, the way that it was introduced in the outro with like music and a real sense of like palpable tension and emotions and Onita, like it kind of became a running gag that after every big match, he's this blubbering mess of a man that's like, <laughs> let it all hang out. But you do see it, and I guess it's because they didn't have a TV deal, so it was all based on word of mouth and VHS sales. Mm. But Onita was able to get it to such a way that they would sell out 40,000-seat stadiums off of these, some of these big shows and these big matches. But again, there's they've always got to be a controlled element. This is literally uncontrollable. Yeah. There's very few moments where there's... I mean, there's moments where there's clear miscommunications and screw-ups. Because there's a point where Onita hits a powerbomb, which is his finishing move on Kurosu. But then before he can get the pin, he's like, oh no, wait a minute. 
we're supposed to do a spot after this where Goto does a splash on him and Goto's not here. And I'm not having this guy, he'll stay down for the three, but he'll have to get up for the, from the ten. And I'm not giving that guy the satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> so he actually stops the count before two. And then they have to repeat it a bit later. Because they do go into the tag formula. And that's maybe the one thing where I would criticise it. But I guess it's the logic of... This is supposed to be a tag team match. It's not tornado rules. So then that brings it so they got to eliminate the force count anywhere element of it, I suppose, if there's only one rep. Yeah. So then it's like the street fight where the rules, ironically, for the street fights are that they're not force count anywhere. They are no holes. You know, that was a... I, I mentioned in a recent episode the RJ City talking to the refs, and he said, what's the difference between a street fight, a no-DQ match, and a no-holds-barred match? <laughs> no-holds-barred, now what they've done with that is they do the whole, oh, you've got to sign the waiver thing, haven't you? Well, that's the non-sanctioned, I think. They've, they've added that element to it. Triple H loves those idea, those rules and everything, and uh, hold harmless and abeyance, yeah. Triple H's ideas. <laughs> and... Well, the Bayans might not have been his idea, but it's what he said. Yeah. He's just flipping through that thesaurus. It's a bit of a box-like structure kind of thing, isn't it? <laughs> Imagine, like, Vince just screaming in your ear, you have to say it exactly like that, and you're like, oh, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> you can't call- I guess he was just told you can't call it a box. I- that's probably just what he was told. And then just he starts off with that box, and then he realizes, I can't say box, so I'll have to add, like you said, sort of thing at yeah. the end of some of your sentences when you're not 100% sure of them or to an extent is, yeah. is our, or I go you know or something like that but yeah there's there's no great there's not a great especially with Onita there's not a lot of great senses of peril again the match is too short to kind of do an extended heat segment mm. there's periods where Goto's kind of getting double teamed but there's no real hot tag element to it it is just Poor men just trying to beat the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> By only giving like a cursory glance to try and be like wrestling as as we would know it conventionally, in a way it's some of the most fun wrestling you can get. Yeah. And also like Onita and Goto never once get pinned. Mm. So there's not even a great moment where like Onita's gotta come back from being having everything thrown at him and then he somehow still comes back for more. I guess maybe the idea is just this is just a fight. And the superior fighter will gradually beat their opponent into the submission. That there isn't really a back and forth. And that's what he does do. He gets Kuroso, who just so looks like a middle-aged dad that's taken his kids for a fishing <laughs> trip. In his, Because it's obviously, again, it's like those referencing back... Because it's all referencing back to the old Terry Funk, who is obviously who Onita models himself on more than anything. Yeah. Brawls. And also the concession stand brawl, which he was a part of. Uh, so it is like this Onita updating the American element too. But the funny thing was, I think, with the way the, the Amarillo Territory booked the Texas death matches, they would actually be the opposite end of this in that they could go on for like two hours. Because mm. the idea of how hard it is to keep... Like, it's easier to keep a man down for a three count. But for a collective 13 count, which is what it would be, you've got to <laughs> really yeah. do a number on them. So it's like that uh, John Wayne film... I think it's... I don't think it's called How Green Was My Valley, but it's set in Ireland. And there's a fight that he has with, like, the local tough that, like, literally goes across the entire village and lasts for, like, half an hour. <laughs> and they have a drink break in the pub whilst they're doing it. Brilliant. <laughs> so that'd be the other end to do of this. And also another example of the Texas Deathmatch. ECW did it with Cactus Jack and the Sandman. Oh, okay. And the Sandman legit got knocked out and had no idea where he was. And kept getting up. 
and Mick Foley thought he was shooting on him. And it's like he can't just stand over him. He needs him to stay down for a 10 count. He's pinning him yeah. time after time after time. Sometimes Sandman's trying to kick out and he's like forcing him down, but he can't force him down for the tech. So he's like the worst gimmick to have when the other guy's just knocked out and doesn't know where he is. And that guy is the Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> How do they finish that in the end? I think just eventually Sandman gets the hint. Like someone just tells him, this is a Texas death match. You need to stay down for 10 seconds. Ah. Like loud enough that probably half the crowd hurt them. But again, I'm just like, because this was clearly FMW was what ECW was modeling itself on. There's even a spot in this match where Onita does the thing where he puts himself over Goto to protect him and absorbs a few chair shots. Yeah. And Tommy Dreamer and Terry Funk and Raven and Mick Foley did exactly that spot <laughs> where Tommy Dreamer would suddenly cover Funk in order to take the blows from him. But I don't see how ECW sees all this stuff and then goes, well, let's do a slightly tamer version of that. Unless, I guess, mm. I don't know, maybe you're a bit more wary of lawsuits. I guess in Japan, the idea of people in the crowd getting hit by the wrestlers was a, a badge of honor. Yeah. In ECW, I guess, when the when the flaming tear, when the flaming chair goes into the crowd and everything and... <laughs> I mean, and you had the whole mass transit thing. So, you know, you had eyes on you for the wrong reasons. But I guess I just, like I said, like when I saw ECW for the first time, I was kind of like, this doesn't live up to the hype. If I'd have seen this match at that time, I would have been like, yeah, yeah, this is chaos. This is anarchy. This is not just two guys slowly working their way around the crowd, taking it in turns to trade punches, which again was like elements of anarchy in the arena, elements of the Briscoes FDR chain match that were just that mm. them just walking around and kind of aimlessly punching there is no aimlessness in anything that is thrown in this yeah. match <laughs> mainly because they're not aiming to do choreographed stuff maybe because they know they only have to go 11 minutes that's true as well yeah I, I, again if you put that match on in front of an american audience i don't think they would have complained that it went 11 minutes no no not not then now maybe that's just the nature of the beast how things have changed but again, I get, like, think this was happening in 1990. It feels so forward, ahead of its time in so many mm. ways. For how much brawling and, you know, obviously the Attitude Era was doing their super gimmicked version of that with the Stim Brawls, which again, probably kind of derived a little bit from this, but also in the same way that they derived from the old Terry Funk Amarillo territory as well. Yeah, and Memphis's concession stand stuff. And those Bruiser Brody Abdullah the Butcher Brawls. Yeah. It's inspired by all those things as well, but it just takes it in maybe what I think is my favourite version of that, outside of maybe the more storyline-focused Shield brawls, which are the other end. But again, those were wrestled at a pace that wasn't a million miles off of this. That's true. I suppose when you've got the numbers as well, because you can do it in tag format. Yeah, well, the six people as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I just love this match so much. And I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I did. Uh, I couldn't have it be all of my wrestling, but it's, it's a fun little like side thing to have. Again, if you were, like, to give certain people who weren't wrestling fans matches to watch, I think this would be one of those ones that you would say, you might enjoy this. Mm. You've got the Samoa Joe Necro Butcher, but that's maybe a bit too gory. Like, this is weirdly a more palatable version of that. Yeah. If someone complained about the choreographed nature of wrestling, I think I'd give them this one. As, like, a, look, it can be choreographed but not look choreographed. I should have done that, actually. I should have ahead of time said, I want you to send this to some of your friends and see what they think about it. But yeah, for, that's something for everyone to do after this. A bit of homework for us all. <laughs> and feed us back on our Twitter and, and social medias. And Simon, 
if you're the person that they want to get in touch with for that means, how can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm Simon and a Simon Cross free. Free for the number of fans that probably had like ribs broken in this match. <laughs> My name's Lorcan Munn, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for the A in Atsushi, N for the N in standing at nine count. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you're putting at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. LMTYspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. For the next episode of Match of the Week, assuming no five stars in the interim, it's going to be Simon's pick and Simon will be hosting that episode. I won't say it's the other end of the spectrum because this is actually, I think this is also a like a fight without honour or a no-holds-barred match or something along those lines. It is a fight without honour, yeah. But it's certainly a character that you wouldn't expect to see in FMW. <laughs> this guy interacting with Atsushi Onita will be an interesting one. Simon, who have you picked and where are we going? Well, at uh, the risk of uh, portraying Anita as a silly little goose, I've picked a fight without honour match between uh, Dalton Castle and Silas Young. Ring of Honor, in that weird little period where it wasn't the big deal it was anymore, but actually some of the people involved were about to change wrestling forever. And Dalton Castle, maybe someone that was, I don't know, a, an interesting figure yeah. in his period of time. And maybe still, because he had a little run in AEW that I think brought him to your attention a bit more, is why you wanted to pick this match. That's exactly it. Yeah, I liked what I saw in AEW and I, I want to see more. And we will all be seeing more, but that'll be next week. And until then, there's nothing left to say except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great week. Until the next week.